Every time you have a problem in sales or your buyer has a problem in sales, there is an opportunity. And everybody wants to be a closer until stuff doesn't go right. So what do you do? How do you deal with it? How do you prepare? And what's your next step? Every single message you deliver is really a sales call. Either you are selling or being sold. Salespeople love to brag about their skills. And the truth is, your success in closing sales depends on your skills, your abilities, and finding the right training. And the great news is, you have come to the right place here at The How to Sell Show with your hosts, Dale Bell and Scott Sylvanbell. And be sure to join the party at howtosell.live and download your copy of The 10 Common Mistakes Salespeople Make. Every time you solve a problem, you create a new one. And I want you to think about this and repercussions of what happens before, during, after, or instead of somebody buying your product or service. This, this concept doesn't just work with like, I'm going to sell something. Every time you, you solve a problem, you create a new one. And so uh, you have to be able to phrase this in your conversations. And one of the things that I see salespeople miss out on the most is explaining what's going to happen. Typical situations, typical stories. And I started here for a very good reason, because this happens a lot. Okay. Now, you're not good at sales. The byproduct of that is deals are not closed. The byproduct of that is you don't make money. The byproduct of that is you have conversations with your manager. The byproduct of that is maybe you have to go in and do role play, or maybe they put you on a PIP, an action plan, a guide, and they fix everything. Okay. Now on the back end, let's say that you close a ton of deals. You're a closer. Absolutely. Fantastic. Uh, When you close a ton of deals, there are problems that are created for a lot of people, but they don't see them as opportunities, right? So I want to, I want to start right here. This is not a negative episode. This is not meant to hurt people's feelings because I come from the J. Abraham School of Business. And that says that instead of looking at the things as a problem, look at them as an opportunity. But I wanted to start out with this topic because there's things that you will end up going through on the path of being a closer. And there's a lot of things that are normal. And I want to tell you, like, these things are all normal. These things are what everybody goes through. These are growing pains, let's put it. These are problems that you face. And this can put you into sales failure. This can put you into a sales slump. If nobody says, hey, you know what, this is normal. Um, I want to tell you what's probably going to happen. And, uh, you know, sometimes the outside forces around you are what cause you internally to start thinking differently about yourself. Okay, so if somebody pokes fun of you a lot in your life, you know, and you're bullied, you may be, you may be um, aware of that problem in your mind, okay? So uh, I was bullied as a kid. I was made fun of. I was called fat. I was called stupid. And let's just say for a moment, I bought into that, that I was fat and that I was stupid. Well, then, you know, that leads to a poor belief of self. And so if you get beat up a lot mentally for being a closer and it's your first time, you're like, I've finally got to the top. I am at the top of the mountain. Oh no. Oh no. We've got problems. We got issues. Okay. And so everyone wants to be a closer until dot, 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 dot. (laughs) 
Okay, like I want to I want to give you in a different example. You sell a product or service. Your buyer knows what life was like with that bad product or that service. Okay, they've got uh, a bad copy machine. Well, they know that by holding one button down, and you know they got some duct tape on the backside of the, the the machine. They know how to make that machine work. Well, their new problem is they don't know how to make it work. Okay, so I'm trying to think of just random examples. Got a grand, brand new garage door opener. Well, I knew how to use my old keypad. I knew how to program my old keypad. And now I don't know how to program the new one. Um, you've got a new uh, office manager at work. Okay. That's not anything that you sold. It's just a new thing to get used to. So it's, uh, it's an opportunity every time to explain what to expect. They, and, and most salespeople here, they get caught up around price. And there's a point in your sales career where you're going to go, eh, price matters. You know, price does matter. Yeah, but not much. So I recently was uh, uh, not targeted. <laughs> it's not the right word. I was recently recently contacted. I was recently con- recently contacted by a company, and they said, "Scott, this is what we're looking to have you do." And I said, "Great." Um, standard fee for that is gave them a number, and they're like, "We were hoping that it was going to come in as half that much," and I said, "Yeah, I don't I don't have anything for what you're looking for." And then, you know, Scott, we really want to work with you. Like, yep, I really want to work with you too. But here's the thing. Uh, I haven't charged that little for about five or six years. So, I mean, if we could go jump in a time machine, you know, then then it'll work. And then, you know, here comes the guilt trip. And then I had to remind them that my grandmother invented guilt and that stuff doesn't work on me. And so uh, I, want to, I want to give you this thought that you have to be able to resolve problems, and turn them into opportunities in the past, the present, and the future. And sometimes what happens is you become an emotional punching bag. Um, And sometimes this happens when somebody, and you're the first person, like they call and they complain and they want to tell you all their problems. But you know what? They're not over dealing with their problems. They just want to complain about them. I have met with people in my lifetime that they just want to talk. And so I, I have something that I ask people, okay, great. Are, are we just going to talk about this problem or do you plan on solving it? And I come from the background that like you make clients solve their problem and tell you what you want. And if they won't get past this stumbling block, I'll tell them, great, well, call me when you're ready to solve it. You know, I'll, I'll do what I can. Don't get me wrong. I'm going to do what I can to close that deal. I'm going to ask the questions. But, you know, there there is a point where if all they want to do is talk and complain, I'll be like, hey, you know, therapist charge... 180 bucks an hour, 250 bucks an hour, go call them and have a conversation with them. And then when you're done being upset about it, then come back and call me. And yes, that can hurt people's feelings. And yes, there's people like, I'll never do business with you because you're not listening to me. Okay. Well, um, you know, I, we, we made notes. We went through our discovery call. If you want to just rehash it, I can't do anything about it. Like you have to tell me what you want to do about it. Okay. So there's a reason why I do this because it's all about accountability. Like if they don't say that they explicitly want it, I, I'm not going to chase them. I'm, I'm going to help them get what they need. I'm going to have conversations with them. We're going to work. I'm going to ask for the sale. But there's a point where I say, hey, time out. We're, we're in adult business. We're in adult games and you have to you have to want this. And the more that I pressure you and the more that I make you do this and the more that you you have to be chased, chased down to make this happen, the more difficult of a person you are. So for me, it's a takeaway close, okay? It, and, and this is the way that I look at it. I, I will do business with you, 
but I'm just not here to be an emotional punching bag. I'm not just here to have your conversations and tell me all your problems. And the reason I say this is as you learn how to sell or as you're in a sales slump, there's going to be a point where you're sympathetic to listen to somebody's, oh, you know, the sky is falling and every day this happens and I've got all these problems. Great. What do you want to do about them? Well, I, I don't know. I'm hoping you can solve them. Okay. Well, give me your idea of what you think solving them would look like. Well, I don't know. Well, let's talk it through. Let's talk through a scenario. Give me your scenario and we'll talk about an outcome. Well, I don't want to talk about outcomes. This is what I'm talking about. An evasive person. That person to me, like they, they may need a lot of handholding. They may need a lot of help, but they're not really admit, ready to admit that they got a problem. They got an issue. So I'm not saying, hey, don't deal with difficult clients. I'm not saying, hey, don't go to a person and, and help them where you can. I'm saying that you are going to meet with people that really don't want to solve the problem. They want to complain. And there's a reason I started this, this is second. And that's because sometimes in, in the effort to want to close deals and the effort to want to be a closer, there is the ability to have to have, you have to be able to have the tough conversation. You have to be able to have the tough talk conversations. And if you don't, what happens is they saddle you and they, they, they lock you down with not having the ability to get movement, not able to get the things that are done. So when I train companies and somebody says, Hey, you know, come out, train my team, train my organization. Uh, I, I also give a course on accountability because a lot of times, uh, people who get training and then the training doesn't work, they blame the training for not working when it was the management team. They blame they they blame the sales trainer, excuse me. They blame the sales trainer and not the, not the management team. So uh, ownership doesn't always hold or or upper management doesn't always hold the managers accountable. So nobody does so nobody enforces what the the training was. Now, I'm not saying you you have to babysit people, but to an extent, if someone's investing in an enterprise solution, there's got to be some buy-in. And when I give this training, I give examples, I give scenarios, I give variable scripting, I make the managers role play, which is awesome because like a lot of times managers are like, I don't want to role play. I'm like you make your salespeople do it. <laughs> if you're going to make your salespeople do it, gosh darn it, you're going to do it too. And then they end up having some fun and we put them through some wacky scenarios. And then from there, everything is good to go. So once again, every problem you have should be looked at as an opportunity. Most salespeople have this stumbling block where they look at one side of the coin. Uh, they, they don't ask themselves questions. How could I solve this? What could we do to solve this? Where are we going with this? And like, sometimes flat out, you got to ask your buyer, what do you, what do you think some of the solutions should be? Well, we don't know where that's why, that's why you're here. That's exactly why I'm here. You know, but paint the vision for me, paint the vision for me for the solution. Let's work backwards. So how can I help you? How, how can I serve you? Just really calm, really patient, but realize that closers think in terms is like, this is a problem for you, but here's how we fix it. And so they may not say it this way. I'm, I'm simplifying it all the way down. Like I, if I was in philosophy class again, here's a problem. Here's a solution. Here is another solution. Here is another opportunity. Which one of these is most appealing to you, right? You could go back to basic language patterns and just have normal conversations with people. So I, I want to give you a list of problems slash opportunities that you're going to face as being a closer. And let's start with the very beginning. Other salespeople are knuckleheads. They don't practice. They don't close. They don't know the product. They sell on price. They call and dump on the closer. Hey, I've got this problem. 
and remember, this goes back to the very first part of the conversation. There's people who don't want to help themselves. They just want to complain. Um, they need help from mommy or daddy closing the deal, which I refer to as the sales manager or the business owner. Hey, I got this guy. Our product's 20 grand. He only wants to pay 12. Is it okay if we do that? Like, no, no, come on. Are you kidding me? Look at, look at the discount on that. You know what kind of problems you're going to face from that person? That person's going to walk all over you about price. They're going to be the worst person to deal with. They're going to complain about everything. Like, no, the other salespeople that are knuckleheads cause you the problems out in the world of sales. Uh, salespeople who are closers have to deal with the office who doesn't care about deadlines, promises made by gosh, darn it. By all means, they get paid by the hour. You know, there, there's things that you need. Like salespeople live on a sense of urgency. They point a, they put a point on the horizon and they look out and they say, this is the direction that we're going. And they sell that vision to the client. But you know what? Maybe the entire office isn't on the same path. Maybe the entire office is like, yeah, yeah, we'll get to it when we get to it. We get paid by the hour. And you're like, you're going to ruin my deal. And they're like, yep, sorry, sales dude. Sorry, sales chick. Guess what? I don't care. All right. So here's what to expect. Closures get difficult clients and they close them. And so I want to be very clear in the beginning. I said, hey, look, there's some parameters that I will walk away from deals. Okay. I am not saying I don't deal with difficult people because that's just crazy. Sometimes difficult people are the best clients ever. You just have to put in the work and figure out, is that true or is that accurate? And your own version of this is going to be different than mine. So like, I really don't care for diet soda. Like when I was drinking soda, I loved Coca-Cola with sugar. This is the way that I look at it. You have your own version of what you're willing to deal up to or what you're able to willing, willing to deal with. And so do I. I've got different, different beliefs. So I'm asking you, fill in your blank. But as you get better at sales, you have to evolve with the type of people that you deal with. You have to be able to evolve and say, I can get people to calm down. So if somebody's having a bad day, they're still going to buy. If somebody's angry, they will still buy. If somebody's happy, they'll still buy. If somebody's having fun, they'll still buy. Like you can't get caught up that, oh my goodness, someone's got a negative feeling. No, I've, I've sold plenty of things to pissed off people. I have also sold plenty of things to happy people. You can't get caught up in what the emotions are. Closers know they have to answer questions and do it well. I mean, like, think about what sales is. I'm answering questions right now. I'm I'm answering problems that you face. Like, if you pose this as like, hey, Scott, what are common problems that closers face? Yeah, remember, everybody wants to be a closer until dot, 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 dot. They have to close. Have to ask for the sale. So I have a challenge for you right now. How many ways can you close a deal? How many different closes do you have? You know, most salespeople have three. Here's the price. That's for them a close. Uh, you don't like it. How about I give you a discount? That's number two. And then number three is, how about a price match? Which really, these aren't closing. These are just basic conversations. And some of them are pretty damn weak. Okay? Closers have to deal with post-close issues. Products, services, logistics, vendors, installation. You know, I, I would always laugh that when I was doing uh, in-home sales, and you know, the office would call and say, hey, this homeowner's complaining. They're on the phone. Will you give them a call? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Give me the, give me the number. Or put them on the phone with me right now. And they would say, none of the other sales guys do that. And I say, yeah, it's, it's always easier to take care of the problem now. It costs me less to take care of it now. I live on commissions. The longer that I wait, the bigger discounts probably gonna have to take to fix it. You know, and if they're going to give a discount, it's going to come out of my check. I'm going to fix things right now. So it, there is a sense of urgency to get problems fixed, to have you know, here, here's what we got to do. The deal's falling apart. 
Got to have a sense of urgency to fix it. You know, every salesperson, every single salesperson has have a, has had a deal get unwound on them. And as you get better, it slows down, but it still happens. I lost a deal like six months ago. Shouldn't have lost it. I screwed up. I lost it. It was bad communication on my part. I raised my hand and say, some days I suck, right? That's that's a hallmark of knowing that you're you're good at sales is when you can raise your hand and say, here's why I suck today, but I'm going to do everything I can to make it better. Have you lost a deal? You better, you've lost a deal. I've lost a deal. It happens. It happens. Do I like it? No. Was it a, a good deal that I should have gotten? Absolutely. 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 Freaking lootly. On this one, I, I did want to use a four-letter word, but because I'm on Apple and I make sure to put that it's not explicit, I don't curse on this show. I have to deal with paperwork. Closers have to deal with paperwork. <laughs> you know, there may be a point in your career where it costs you less to hire somebody to deal with all of your paperwork. And you're like, Scott, that doesn't sound right. Okay, let's talk about variable costs. If you're out in the field closing deals, that's the most valuable thing that you can do. Okay. That's face-to-face skills that you can only you can only learn so much from a book. You can only learn so much from a podcast. And then you got to put pen to paper, mouth, mouth to talking, and things got to happen. And so let's say today that doing paperwork is a $15 to $20 an hour task and closing deals is a $1,000 task. There may be a point in your lifetime, in your career, where you look around and you're like, it's just paperwork. It's a task that somebody can handle except for me. And you get people used to it. And you know who's really good at this? Attorneys. They got paralegals that do stuff for them, right? So they come in and they do the five, six, seven, eight hundred dollar an hour stuff, and the paralegal does the hundred dollar an hour stuff. It's it's time and money making arbitrage. Have to deal with upset clients. Not everything goes right. Not everything goes perfect. And when you think about this, when's the last time you had to deal with an upset client? How good are your skills at dealing with escalated situations? I can think of all the times where friends and family members call me and say, "Scott, I got a problem." I'm like. Tell me about what's going on. And I feel like the equalizer, right? <laughs> I don't kill people though. Like, uh, I, what's going on? And they're like, I'm having a problem with a car dealership. This happened with my sister. I said, okay, tell me the problem. So we meet, I go to the car dealership and I talk to the service manager and we talk back and forth and, you know, they agreed. Okay, we'll fix it. And I had a conversation just like we're having right now. Just ask questions. Just give me under this circumstance, what's the normal, what's the normal procedure? That, that question has saved me so much grief, so much money. Under this circumstance, or what's your normal procedure? You know, and I get them to tell me what they normally do. Okay, under what circumstances would you do something a little bit differently? And, you know, most of the time, service managers, sales managers, office managers are not used to being talked to about an outcome. Like, really, that's an outcome question. Under these circumstances, what's, what's the normal trajectory? What do, we, what do we normally do? What are the offers on the table? Well, we don't have any offers on the table, sir. Well, what do you mean you don't? We got a problem. How do we solve it? Well, like, that's up to you. Like, no, that's not how it works. Come on. We got to start over again. We got we to gotta work this out. Tell me, tell me what the offer is on the table. Well, we don't have one. Like, we're not getting anywhere. How come you're creating a log jam? Like, tell me, tell me what you're willing to do. We're not willing to do anything. And you're not willing to bend on that? No. Well, why not? Well, because it's policy. Like, okay, well, who wrote the policy? Because if you didn't write the policy, I'm not talking to the decision maker. Give me to somebody who's going to be able to make this decision. And then, as you know, like they're probably going to look at it and probably just tell you to take care of it anyway. Is that not true? Well, that's true. Well, wouldn't it make sense to take care of it anyway and deal with it right now instead of getting them involved in emails and phone calls? Yeah, I guess I guess you're right. 
Like, understand that it is a form of a Jedi mind trick to go down this process. Does it always work? No, I'm not 100% closer. Does it work a lot? You're darn right it does. You know, paint a picture on the horizon and bring people towards it. And just ask them simple questions. Like, the brain can comprehend what's, what's the normal outcome that comes from a situation like this. You know, what, what do you normally do? What's the, what's the expectation of a discount here? So I could think of a time where my little sister had bought a stove, a range top, a gas range top from a big box store. And she had it shipped to a store because it was the only way that she could get it. And it was a custom, a custom stove. So got the truck, drove an hour and 20 minutes, went to this big box store, and lo and behold, they don't have it. And so they go, hey, we, well, we never called you. And my sister goes, that's funny. There is a voicemail message that says, hey, your item is available for pickup. <laughs> and they said, ah, yeah, I, I guess we screwed up. And so I went to the manager and I said, hey, look, you know, I'm not looking for anything big here, but what's the normal procedure when you guys call us? So we drive an hour and a half to come get it. We'd have to drive back an hour and a half and go get it. Now, when it comes in, we're going to have to drive an hour back and then drive an hour and a half back home. What's, what's the normal process? What's the normal expectation here? The manager looked at me and she said, what do you do? <laughs> and I said, I work with salespeople. And she goes, no, really, what do you do? And I said, I work with salespeople. And she goes, I've never been dealt with this way. And I said, okay, I get it. So what's what's normal here? What's the normal expectation? And so I don't remember what my sister paid for this stove. Let's say $1,000. She gave her 20% off just by being able to ask a question. And it took me maybe about a minute and a half. Just by going through the scenario. Okay. And the reason I say that is like, you have to become masterful at de-escalating situations. Does it work every time? No. Does it work a lot? Yeah, when you get good at it. I think that the one skill that salespeople could use and, and become very good at is de-escalating, you know, what would be a difficult situation for most people. And so I have read a lot, a lot of books on sales. And, you know, occasionally uh, a book comes out and they're like, oh, there's some content I've ever, ever heard. There's some stuff that I haven't ever seen. Fantastic. I'm excited. But that's not the normal, the norm at this point. So like I had to go outside of the industry to look for content. And so like I've looked at body language, decision making, psychology. And one of the greatest book series that I've read is all on conflict resolution. How do you how do you resolve conflict? Because isn't that what closing is? They, they have a conflict with the price. They have a conflict with the terms. They have a conflict with the product. It's conflict resolution. Closers have to deal with haters. Haters. There are some absolute haters out there. And if you're going to get good at sales, or if you are good at sales, like you wake up in the morning and you're like, who's going to hate now? Who's going to spread like all the problems about me? And if, if you're going to get caught up in that, if you, if you buy into like the hate... Like sometimes that's the game plan. Sometimes that's what they do and they do it on purpose. Because they know if they can shake your stability mentally, they could take you down. And it's unfortunate that a lot of salespeople don't see that for the game that it is. Like if you drew this out on a piece of paper, like uh, you played football and you put in the X's and the O's and you're like, you're the X and they're the O. And for them, they're they're lining up on the line of scrimmage and their their whole thing is they're going to call an audible. And they're going to talk their trash, your mama this, your mama that. Like, that's the equivalent of what's going on here. You just got to put the X's and O's to it. And sometimes the people who talk trash on you are your competition. Sometimes the people who talk trash on you are your management, your management. Oh, my goodness. When I was on a management team, like, to, to closers' faces, 
managers were like, ah, we love you. To their back, they're like, I can't stand that guy. And you know what? They can't stand that guy because closers have a way about them. Closers have this ability to get things done. I, I give this example a lot. They put a dot on the horizon and they march towards it and they bring people with them. People who aren't good at sales, they don't sell that vision. They sell on price. They have to deal with managers that don't get sales. Closers have to deal with managers that don't get sales. You know, most of the time, salespeople don't care how much you make because like they look to aspire to that. But, you know, not office managers. Office managers, on average, depending upon what they do, make between like sixty and $100,000 a year. Yes, I know there's other ones that make more. I'm just giving you a freaking example. Simmer down. So let's say that you're a closer and you make $250,000 and you got an office manager that makes 60 to 80. You're making three to four times more than them. And they have disdain and contempt for closers. You want to know why? Because, gosh, dang it, look how much money they make. And so they put in all sorts of rules and laws about like why you can't do this and why you can't do that. And so managers sometimes uh, don't like closers because their office staff are pliable people. Closers are used to getting what they want. They will go to the office staff and they will ask for things to be done. They will talk themselves out of problems and turn them into opportunities. You know, and they're masterful at it. They will flip situations upside down on their head and have people laughing and having a good time and go, wait, what? What just happened? What just happened? You know, I got pulled over in Honolulu last year and I completely screwed up. Over by the airport is where the rental car agencies used to be. And then they moved them on site and then they moved them back off site. And so I was, I was one street over from the Nimitz Highway and right by the airport, there is a McDonald's right by the Nimitz Highway. And my brain told me, hey, this is the direction you go. You go right and it takes you towards Honolulu. And my brain went, no, I am not on Nimitz Street. <laughs> That's not the direction that I go because I was trying to get to Costco to buy ribeyes. I wanted to get there before they closed. I'd flown over from Maui back over to Oahu and I'm like, I'm a man on a mission. I'm not focused on anything except for getting some freaking ribeyes. You know, gotta, gotta love the carnivore diet. So uh, I go to turn right, and I'm like, nope, that's not the right direction. I am on the wrong street. I am on the wrong path. So I do like this weird roundabout U-turn in the middle of the street, and a Honolulu sheriff passes me. So a couple seconds later, I see the lights light up in the back of my car, and I'm like, crap, what did I do? So the sheriff comes to my window, and he's like, hey, bro, you lost? And I'm like, no, I was on my way to Costco to get ribeyes, right? Like everything starts with a story. And he's like, what are you telling me about ribeyes for? And I said, well, my brain was telling me that I needed to turn right right here, which I could have, and I probably could have taken a side street to get over the Nimitz Highway. But the traffic was clear, so I made a left. And he goes, well, I thought you were trying to evade me. I was like, why would I try to evade you? I ain't got nothing going on. So he asks me who I am, and he asked me where I'm going. And like I felt like I had more control of the situation than him. So he's standing there and he's got his, he's got my, my driver's license in his hand and he's kind of holding it and he's kind of fidgety with it. And he's sitting there listening to me and looking at me and I go, all right, well, thanks. Can I have my card back? And he goes, yeah. And I said, all right, well, you know, am I free to go? And he goes, yeah. And he goes, wait, what? Yeah. And he was confused because like I took control of the situation. So like I, I did all the body language tricks that I know and all the things that I've learned how to do. And I just assumed that I was done. I assumed that he was okay with, you know, giving me a a vocal warning. I just didn't ask it that way. So he's sitting on 
the driver's side window. I'm right-handed, but I reach my left hand out like, and I said, okay, well, I see my license back and I'm free to go. And so he hands it to me. So like, this is the things that you learn how to do when you learn how to close sales. And so he starts laughing. He goes, what the hell just happened? And I said, you just told me it's free to go. And he goes, I was totally going to write you a ticket. I said, yeah, but you don't have to anymore. It's less paperwork for you. And he kind of smiled and said, yeah, you're right. Go have a good night. (laughs) So put that image on the horizon. I don't think I've ever told that story. Put that image on the horizon and get people to do what needs to be done. Um, Closers learn how to say things, what they're thinking in a way that's bold, but not arrogant. So I will let you know that when I'm dealing with people, how I talk on the How to Sell show and the conversations that I have are exactly how I talk with people that I meet with. You know, I'll tell them, hey, that's a bad idea. Like, I won't put a bunch of emotions behind it. You know, I, I uh, in, in 2009, 2010, I started listening to Oren Clough, you know, and from some of the recordings, I, I went online. Hey, Oren, if you hear this, I went online and I literally Googled uh, Oren Clough MP3 and I found every freaking podcast that that guy had put out. And there's, I've listened to him multiple times and I've listened to like the way that he breaks down conversations and what he does and you know, I've studied tons of psychology, so it's not just I've studied his content. I mean, I've studied tons of stuff. But everything comes down to, like, your, like how how comfortable. Like, people talk about vo- vocal pitch and tone, and I'm going to have that conversation. But I'm talking about a vocal pitch and tone that's comfortable. Like, like I've been there before. It's not a problem. It's not an issue. There's going to be a time in your life where somebody tells you a story, and you're like, eh, that sounds a little bit off. Because somebody who's been through that is going to bring up these two or three things. You know, somebody who's been through that and knows how to tell this story knows a little bit more. There, there, there's feelings and emotions to it. Like um, my, my parents got married after dating for like seven days. And so they were married for 45 years till my dad passed. Kind of like a little wacky story, but you know what happens. Like, you know, my parents met in the 70s. They dated for seven days, got engaged, got married. Okay. So when I was at the dating age and I was learning how to date and ask people out, they couldn't give me how to deal with rejection. Like they, they could pat me on the back and tell me everything was going to be okay. And then I was talking to a friend of mine and I was telling him about my rejection. He's like, hey man, all these things that you're going through are normal. Like this is what I'm talking about. And I'm using an example for dating because it's a lot of very similar to sales. But like when, when somebody has been through what you've been through, there's a different type of bond and there's different type of connection. And so when you've been through enough battles and sales, like everything's just like, man, not that big of a deal. So I've had people tell me like, hey, you know what? We've we got to talk to other people. And I'll find out, tell them I'm like, all right, well, how you make your decision is how you make your decision. I mean, I can only influence it so far. <laughs> and, then, and sometimes people will turn to me and look at me and they're like, did you really just say that out loud? Like, yeah, why, why not? How you, how you make your decision, I mean, only has so much to do with me. And then you've got to answer to people too. I get it. Go do your thing. And a lot of times people will come back and they're like, hey, you know, you didn't do a lot of high pressure. And I'm like, I can. You want it? I, I've been trained in it. I've done tons of role play. If you want high pressure, you want me to put that, that hat on, I'll do it. It's just not how I, I like to deal with people. Like, But understand that when I train people, I'm not all about pressure. I'm all about you got to make your decision. You got to solve your problem. You got to fix it. You got to deal with it. And it's an easier way for me to sell. And some people are like, I don't like that, Scott. Well, okay. Like, do you like Coke? Do you like Pepsi? Do you like Diet Coke? Do you like Diet Pepsi? I I can't tell you how you do sales. I can't. There's not one person who says this is the only way to sell because there's a million different personalities. Pick the way you like to do it. It's okay. Not everyone 
has the ability to deal with what closures create. Um, think about what managers say. Why can't we go back to? You know, uh, a lot of times salespeople will talk ownership and management into things, and then the management and the ownership regret it, and so they try to go backwards. So just realize that as you go through sales, that as you go through sales and you increase your skills, every time you, you create, every time you solve a problem, you create a new one. So every time you solve a problem, you create a new opportunity. You just have to look at it a little bit differently. And so the, the reason I bring this up is uh, closers know when they meet closers for the most part. There's some sleepers out there that you meet them and you're like, I don't think that, that guy or that girl can sell. And then you watch them and you're like, oh, that dude or that chick has got some skills. They just come at it a different way. They just have a different version of the magic trick. And I look at sales like a magic trick. There's like, there's all the things that you got to go through to intrigue people. And I don't mean this in a bad way. There's no negativity attached to a magic trick. It's just how you woo an audience. It's how you get people engaged. And it's how you do the reveal. Okay. So like, please don't do bad things. That's not what I, that's not what I'm saying. When I say magic trick, I'm talking about, it's not a sales call. It's a performance. It's how you perform. It's how you get your buyer engaged. And so like, just go through it. There's a point that uh, if you're brand new at sales, here's what I want you to do. The next time that you're in a sales meeting and the closer in the room is, you're going to know who they are. Think about the best person on your sales team. They don't take crap for management. You want to know why? Because they know they could go sell somewhere else. They take the, the, the They know when to take the arrows and they know when not to. And there's going to be a point where you look around in your career and you need to say what needs to be said. You need to say, you need to be the adult in the room. You need to put the Rudy Pooh smack down. I've always wanted to get that into a, an episode of the How to Sell show. Finally did it. They got, you got to put the Rudy Pooh smack down. And so closers are, are willing to say what needs to be said because nobody else is going to do it. And there's going to be a point in your career where you become comfortable. Maybe you're there today. If you're there today, welcome. Hello. Congratulations. But there's going to be a point in your career where you look around and you go, hey, you know what? I don't need this anymore. I'm not going to put up with this. Like, I don't put up with rude and abusive people. Like, I have limitations. Just for crap that I've been through in my life. And I'm going to say, I am not perfect. I've already admitted that like three times on this episode of the How to Sell show. And there's people that I choose not to deal with at this, this stage in my life. Am I leaving money on the table? Yeah. But you know what? Sometimes with that comes like, I don't have to deal with grief. And you're like, hey, Scott, wait a minute. But you said every time that there's a problem, there's an opportunity. Yes, this is true. Um, but it's not my job to solve office staff's problems. Uh, without help of the management, without help of the ownership. And sometimes I just meet people that I don't get along with. And and you do too. And sometimes people will tell me, hey, Scott, I don't like you. I'm like, all right, I don't know what to do with that. Um, I can't solve your problem. What do you think would fix it? Well, I don't think anything would. I'm like, okay, well, the most part is friends. Yeah, you can't, you can't always fix everything for everyone. And as you go through sales, you're going to find that these things, that there's normal and then there's abnormal. And it's like the rule of 80-20. Once you get 80% of it down, things become really easy in sales. And then as you get the next 80% down, you're left with like 4% of things that are weird to you. And like you could live with 4% weird. And then what ends up happening is after a while, you do 80% of the 4% and you're left with 0.8%. So you have like 1% of weirdness. Like I've had companies reach out to me and people reach out to me and I'm like, mm, nope, 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 nope. Not going to do it. I'm not taking the bait. I'm not going to go there. You know, I, I think a lot about when uh, going with a client and, and hiring on somebody and bringing them on board, excuse me, allowing somebody to come on board. Uh, 
Colin Therio runs this thing called Cult of Copy on Facebook. And he was being interviewed one time and he was like, look, to an extent, I don't want to pick losers. So I look to coach the people who are actually going to do something with what I do. And so he says, you want to re- re- reduce the amount of grief in your life as a coach, as a mentor, as, you know, getting people to go and do things, then you take and make sure you work with the right clients. So as you come up, there is a process where you've got to learn how to deal with all the weird situations and the problems and the people, and then they become normal. And then you deal with the next stage of weird, normal, abnormal, difficult, and then they become normal. There's a step-up policy. There's a step-up basis. But if you don't, you don't realize that everybody wants to be a closer until you have all these things that you go through. You, you have, you know, sales failure, sales slump, people who, who want to give you, let you be the emotional punching bag, the salespeople who are knuckleheads, the office who doesn't care, difficult clients, answering questions, answering salespeople, asking for the sale, dealing with uh, post-close issues, dealing with paperwork, dealing with upset clients, having to deal with haters, having to deal with managers, you know, having to learn how to say things that are elegant that you can get away with. I, I like to see sometimes how far I can push the boundaries. I'll admit it because there's a point for me that it's like, mm, let's see how I can deal with the situation. Let's see what I can do. And just remember, just because one person does it one way doesn't mean that's the only answer. Like I gave you some examples and you'd be like, Scott, I would never say it that way. This is how I do it. I'm like, okay, here's what I'm going to challenge you to do. See if what the way that I said would work. You know, if it's outside of your comfort zone, Great. If you're like, that's not how I would say it, then create a word script and figure it out yourself. But here's the thing to remember. At the end of the day, everybody wants to be a closer until that they have problems, issues that they don't know how to deal with and they don't know how to solve, or they're walking in a new territory until they turn it into an opportunity. Thanks for checking out this episode of the How to Sell Show. You can join the party at howtosell.live to get the show notes, links, updates on new episodes, recordings of previous episodes, articles, as well as videos. You may not know this sales secret, but sharing this episode with a friend will bring you good luck. See you soon. Mahalo.